Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Hello and welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you could join me. Happy Friday as we publish this on the kind of a Friday afternoon, end of week wrap up of those things, safety that uh, we want to talk about. So again, the goal here is to talk about how do we lead? How do we learn through safety? I've been thinking about this more and more about what does that mean? And it's interesting that when you want to lead your people, there is a government agency out there that says, hey, you've got to protect your team. Why not use that as the springboard to really gaining some real insight to your team. So let's lead with safety because it allows us to have that mutually beneficial, positive impact on so much that we do. And that's, I think that's why I do what I do. Anyway, let's jump right in. Of course, COVID-19 continues to be such huge news and continues to be part of what we're doing. And I'll be, I'm going to be very vulnerable and honest I am so tired of it. I wish it would go away. It is important that we protect our team. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm working hard every day to follow it. But wow, we still have so much other safety stuff that we need to be doing as professionals. And this just isn't going away. And it's getting more complex every day. There's more arguing and bickering and new variants. And it is just getting tough to manage. And for instance, so the state of New York, the city of New York, excuse me, the city of New York, uh, later this month will be giving some further guidance and passing a a sweeping process of that to work inside the city, you have to be vaccinated. And it doesn't appear that there's any other method. You just have to be vaccinated, period. It doesn't seem right now that there's going to be allowances for any type of alternative to that, which is amazing. And of course, there are already people lining up to legally challenge it, um, but it's that's huge. If you're around the New York City area and perform work there, the enforcement's uncertain. The way they're going to track it is uncertain. There's already some applications in place, but it's, um, I have some workers that would be up there. And so we're, fo- I'm following it from that reason, but it, it looks like it's going to be interesting and it's going to be very, very, uh, uh, tenuous, I think to get through it together and to get through that. And then on the other hand, we have a lot of discussion going on about the emergency temporary standard. They're still fighting for it, still in the courts. Uh, there's others now in 
Congress that are looking at trying to um, take the review of it, the congressional review of uh, the emergency temporary standard of the vaccination or test standard. And so far, uh, it's got some chances of getting to the House. Looks like it may get through the Senate. So I'm I really like, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe or read his blog, it's called Confined Space. It's by uh, former OSHA Jordan Barab. Fantastic blog. Um, he does a lot of really interesting in-depth work from the Washington, D.C. area looking at different OSHA safety standards that are going on. I find it very interesting, and I enjoy reading it. And so, again, Jordan Barab has published this. It's called The Confined Space. Uh, I really, his one about this emergency temporary standard is super interesting. And he goes in to look at like even the AFL-CIO doesn't want to see the COVID-19 regulation or emergency temporary standard to be repealed. But let's take a little deeper look of also what they said. Uh, Instead of repealing the EMOSHA emergency standard, uh, just as the the Omicron variant is uh, making its way into the population, the AFL-CIO wants to call for OSHA to strengthen by requiring ventilation, maybe filtration, masks, physical distancing. Notice that uh, I think one of the most important things there is that that idea of only vaccination or that there's no alternative except vaccination is not that. And this is something I look back and forth on and I go back and forth and it's a very touchy topic when you get into the right. There are people who are very passionate for vaccinations. There are people who are very passionate that say, I have a right to choose. There's a whole bunch of people in between (laughs) that are looking at it. And when you, I'm wondering what you, if, if you're dealing with this in HR or in safety, how are you handling it? How are you looking at this? How are you balancing what's going on with with your people, with protecting your people, with still giving them choices and rights and navigating this very interesting, and I'm going to call it a minefield, of having to deal with what all is happening in different states, jurisdictions. How are we how are we reviewing it? I know some very large companies have made the choice, vaccinate or you're no longer employed, and they have released people because of that. And that's making some headlines too and going to be fought in the courts, especially from an EEOC standpoint of religious or medical accommodation. How was that handled? Was it handled appropriately? Was it treated fairly uh, and equally? And it is a lot of time consumption and balancing all of that to make a good process for people and to accommodate for all kinds of people, and to protect people. And that's what we're doing. And is there a balance there? I am sure there is. Uh, There's got to be. There's got to be the in-between. We always hear about the extremes, but there are people who are making it work. There's organizations that are going to make it work with the in-between. And let's think about lone workers, uh, those who go into a job, and they're basically alone. And they're maybe going to be working in New York City alone. Okay, how is that vaccination mandate? One, how do they check in with it if they're completely alone? How do they, how will they assure that it's followed? I think there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion around that. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, very passionate politics 
that will come from it, which I always try to avoid to the best of my ability because politics don't protect people. We protect people. We engage our people. We motivate our people. We educate our people. We, we advocate for our people. And that's what we do as safety professionals and safety leaders. And what's good for one person may not be good for the other, but then we have to look at the organization as a whole. And does it make sense to make a rule that is may hurt the individual, but help the whole, or is there a balance? And I'm, I'm always looking for the win-win. That's always been my mentality. Oh, not always. I'm lying. I'm sorry. That's not always been my mentality, but I try to make it now more than ever is how can we win-win? How can we all work together, accomplish the same goal? And what is that goal? Are people being okay? Anyway, lots going on there. I think by the end of the year, we're going to have some really (laughs) a lot to talk about there. And it's going to continue that way. So we'll switch topics like normal. We'll come back after a quick break and we'll talk more on the leading and learning through safety podcast. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety www.tsdamoglamated.com Welcome back to the second half of our Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Always appreciate you joining in for our little chats, our weekly chats about safety and leading it, learning about it. This uh, next item that I came across hit kind of close to home for me. This one here was out of Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, I'm pretty rural where I live, but Clarksville is one of those larger cities that I'm not very far from. So it's one of those items that I really paid attention to. And there is a battery uh, factory there. And it's Korean entity, but uh, relatively new. They've moved into the area. They've expanded a lot in the air with different endeavors there. They unfortunately had a fatality at this manufacturing battery site. And what was interesting, and I think what more than, not that any, and I've, I've stated this before, one of my greatest frustrations is how unnewsworthy an occupational fatality can be. And that bothers me because that seems like it really should be in the United States, in our day and time, there should be some passion around that. There should be some focus on when something like that happens. And I know all the data is never available. It's it's not really out there for the press. It's not really out there for people to learn about until like eight, ten or more weeks away after the investigation has thoroughly been reviewed. And then we get information, but then that almost outrage of the general public is not as high as what it is when it first happens. And anyway, that's a side topic, but not that any occupational fatality should be downplayed. It's big when those things happen. It's important. 
and it should be something that we learn from and focus on. But this one here was interesting to me because the employee that was killed um, was a Korean national. So it was someone who was over here helping the organization from another country. And I've had a unique perspective to that early in my career. I was part of a joint venture. It was 51% Japanese, 49% American. So a lot of it was Japanese influence. And early in the launch, we had a lot of Japanese nationals that were helping. They were coming over and showing us, uh, helping us understand the equipment they had shipped to us, helping us set things up, helping us look at the lean process that they had in place. And it was an interesting observation. It was interesting as a safety person coming into this and helping launch this building. The educational component that had to be given was extra and additional because most of them were very seasoned workers. They were very used to the equipment that they were seeing because they were helping us set it up. Now, we had to put a lot of extra work into them once they arrived. I wasn't able to get uh, over to look at it before it shipped. So we had a lot of guarding and a lot of light curtains to put up on some of this industrial equipment. Once it arrived, there was a lot of retrofitting to make it U.S. ready. And that was one of the biggest opportunities was educating them, educating those around them in U.S. standards and what they could and could not do, like don't go in there, don't work on that. We actually had one fall and hurt himself while he was on site. And not didn't know was just doing his normal work, but didn't realize there were different protections or different things we needed to do in the U S. And so it was very complicated because one, you, you need a good interpreter and you need to be able to, and this was something I wasn't very good at. And I'm still probably not very good at is really simplifying why we do what we do in the U S I got better at it as we went on. I actually did a few classes about ergonomics and some other U S items that they could take back over uh, to to their organization. And I thought that was really fun that they'd sent people over, uh, brought an interpreter, and we were able to sit down and talk through some safety items that would actually help improve what they were doing and maybe even improve efficiency because you were minimizing that, that body impact. And I thought that was pretty fun uh, as it was going on. But early on, it was frustrating. And it took a lot of extra effort when we would have uh, people come over. They were of course, very helpful, did a lot of great work. But from a safety standpoint, there was so much more effort that went into educating and training and the why behind it and really trying to help them understand the different cultural impacts of the safety. And you had to go into a lot of safety history of that. Yeah, we've we've had all of these things happen in the U.S. that have created this regulation, that have brought us to the point that we're brought to. And it's usually a very sad story when you're having to talk about how we got to the point that we're in and why we do all the things that we have to do in safety, like guarding and protections and lockout and fall from heights and working in walking surfaces and keeping the floors the way they are. So it was time consuming and I don't think we were perfect at it, but it was something that I had to learn about and something now that I have to pay very special attention to. So when I see this, I really do feel, um, pain for the loss. I feel pain for the, for the idea of, I'm sure they were having to deal with those same hurdles to overcome and making sure that everything was right. And I'm sure there's some feelings there that will be tough. And I, I just hope everything, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what happened and 
hopefully in, in the next few months, I'll be able to find the information and share a little bit more about it, especially since it was kind of, I'm familiar with this location and this manufacturing site. And it also reminded me of years ago, I was probably in late elementary school. My dad uh, worked in manufacturing. He, he was a blue collar manufacturer and union position. And I remember one early morning, I was getting ready for school. Mom was getting ready. I was getting ready. And the phone rings. And that, not that time. It just, that phone didn't ring. And I answered it. It was my dad. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is, he worked midnights. And so for him to call at the early morning hour was, he should be on shift. And he called and said, hey, there was an accident at the plant last night. Someone was died. And I want you to know I'm okay. I just want to make sure you didn't hear it from someone else and you didn't hear from me first to know that I'm okay. I don't think I realized it. I, at the time I was just like, hey, mom, this is what happened. Um, Dad's okay. And, and I kind of said, okay, glad you're okay. Can't wait to see you tonight. Bye. Or when I get back from school. Um, but now I think this one just, I don't know, it, it triggered that memory. And the impact it probably did have of... What an an amazing, unfortunate, complicated call that has to be when, okay, well, I'm on my last break of the night, but I wanted to call and let you know that it wasn't me. And how does that make a family feel? And how do you react from something like that? Anyway, memory from my past and probably influence a lot of my philosophies, hopefully in a positive way, for, for what I do in safety today want to encourage you i'm going to completely switch topics here but uh coming up in january safety and health magazine from the national safety council is going to be holding a uh a little panel discussion called build a safety culture that withstands change i am honored i am part of the panel i've never been invited to something like that i am excited can't wait to do it I'm with Peter Steinfeld. He's the Senior VP of Safety Solutions at Alert Media. You may recall I was on the Alert Media Safety Podcast a while ago, but now I'm going to be joining them again for a panel discussion with Safety and Health Magazine. Uh, Build a safety culture that withstands change. Coming up in January, January 26th. Go to the Safety and Health Magazine webpage. Look under their podcast. You can sign up for it. Would love to have you as part of it. Uh, Very excited. So anyway... Thanks for joining me on this episode. Until next time we chat, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.